Welcome to Fireside Football, presented by Empire Sports Media. You are here with Brendan and Dylan, as always. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Brendan. How are you doing? I'm doing good for the most part. As you know, the Jets are 0-6, but uh, we'll try to restrain ourselves this time. But today, with the recap of Weeks 5 and 6 through the NFL, let's start with the AFC East. The Bills are at 4-2 right now. They were blown out by the Titans in Week 5, 42-16. It wasn't even close. They looked terrible. And then they lost to Kansas City by 9. So I'm asking you, Dylan, what does this tell you about the Bills? Because they started off 4-0, two straight losses, not looking good really in either game. What does this tell you about how they really are as a team? Well, Brendan, it's a complex question for me because when you really look at it, the Bills, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Titans strike me, and, or, and the Ravens strike me as the five best teams in the AFC. Now, if you look at them, they kind of fall into three of their own categories. The Bills and the Ravens, who we'll talk about later, seem like they can't win the big games. The Chiefs and the Titans and the Steelers seem like they can to an extent where the Chiefs tend to fall into a third group of complacency, which I hinted at last week, and I'll talk a little more about this week. So I really think that's what it is for the Bills. They're a young group of players. I mean, Allen is a young quarterback. Sean McDermott has faced high-level competition, but not with a winning football team. And I think it's about getting them ready for those games and prepping a little harder for the higher-level competition. And I think that they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be okay. But it is concerning that their two biggest games to date have been losses. Yeah, I mean, not only have they been losses, Dylan, but they, like, especially against the Titans, they just looked completely overmatched. Their defense, which is normally, I feel like, the staple of the Buffalo Bills, they seem to always have a pretty good defense. Their defense hasn't looked fantastic. Uh, Their offense has been inconsistent. So, we'll see. I mean, I still think they're far and away the favorites to win the AFC East, especially with the Patriots now at 2-3. and Um I mean, it, I think they win the division, but I don't see them doing anything in the playoffs at, You know, after what I've seen through six weeks because, like you said, they just can't win the big games. Behind them are the Dolphins at 3-3. Three and three. I don't think anyone would have thought the Dolphins would be second in the division right now. Um, but, you know, week five, they absolutely destroyed San Francisco, 43-17. to 17. I, mean, I mean, my brother does one of those... Uh, NFL pick them week by week things and he picked the 49ers to win that because I feel like you know Oof. most people would so you know that's that was pretty crazy and then they beat the Jets 24 nothing which is a whole nother story but after the Jets game two during that fourth quarter Tua Tagovailoa made his NFL debut you know, late in the fourth quarter after that game Tua Tagovailoa was named the starting quarterback going forward after their bye week this week so, I mean, like, do you feel like that's the right choice? I mean, you and I both didn't expect him to be starting this early. I think I said week 11. I think you were somewhere near that, maybe a week or two earlier. But, I mean, especially at 3-3 three and three and the way they've been playing, back-to-back pretty much blowout wins, is this too early for Tua? Well, that's exactly it. You just hit the nail on the head. At 3-3, three and three, coming off back-to-back wins after a 1-3 and three start, with a quarterback who you can make the case is playing like a top 15 quarterback in football right now. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to win you games by being the most talented player on the field, but he's a capable starting quarterback. 
and you're throwing a quarterback into the fire right now. When you're in contention, you're a game back of the division lead, and you're one of the top, I'd say, contenders for a wild card spot right now, and you're pulling your starting quarterback, especially in favor of a young quarterback who's coming off a near career-threatening injury, and the only game tape he has put out now is a handoff and two short throws in garbage time against the New York Jets. So to say it's a curious decision is probably an understatement, but nonetheless, this is a team that is establishing a culture, and a lot of people have counted Brian Flores wrong to this point, me being one of them, and I'm not going to count him wrong here, but I am a little weary of the uh, decision. Yeah, it's it's difficult for me to really pick a side here because, like you said, you know, he came in against the Jets in garbage time against garbage, and I mean, he had two completions, but at three and three after two big blowout wins, I I don't see why you make the switch now, especially because you know, two is your quarterback of the future. He's not your quarterback of this moment. This season was meant to see where Tua was health-wise, get him acclimated with the offense and in the NFL, and after what, three plays, you're saying, okay, he's healthy enough to get into the game. A handoff, two short completions. I mean, granted, he looked healthy during those couple of plays, but that's not anything. I mean, I, I really, I, I respect Brian Flores. I think he's doing a fantastic job with the Dolphins. And I think he knows what he's doing. But for me personally, it's a little early. And, you know, Fitzpatrick feels the same way because he knew that he was a bridge quarterback for two attack of Iloa in Miami. And he said after the news broke out that he was being benched for him, he was heartbroken because he's felt like up to this point, he is the man on this team. He has led them to a 3-3 three and three record, I think better than most people even, you know, I would have projected. And he's being benched. So I, I think it's early. We'll see if it's the right decision. We'll see what Tua can do. But that's where we're at now. Patriots at 2-3. and three. They lost to the Denver Broncos 18-12. to 12. Now, Dylan, this was a weird one because the Broncos won and they scored zero touchdowns. Brandon McManus was 6-for-6 six six on field goals. And they won 18-12. to 12. The Patriots' offense was very bad. Their defense kept them in the game, held the Broncos to six field goals. And the Patriots could not score more than 18 and even 12 points. What does this tell you about the Patriots? And how much of this falls on Cam Newton specifically? Well, I think that—and to piggyback off the last point I forgot to mention, one thing I think you and I both expected, and we talked about this a little bit, was that we thought— the Flores-Tagovailoa-Fitzpatrick situation would be something reminiscent of what Reed did with Smith and then Mahomes, and Flores just took a completely different route. But we'll see if it works. Nonetheless, the team that's behind them in the division, the Patriots. And this is a game that is hard to make a real narrative out of, I guess, because you can spin this that the Patriots are 2-3 and three and life after Brady is rough because they've lost two in a row. But both of these games have had COVID as an underlying theme. The first being without Cam Newton, and the second being, I just feel like there was rust in this game. I mean, Cam Newton is not going to be a perfect quarterback, but in those first couple weeks, he looked like the Cam of old, 
and in a Bill to Belichick. To some degree. To some yes, degree. to some degree. In a Bill Belichick team and style. But this was the cam that was last year's quarterback in Carolina. This is the cam that was concerning enough for them to move on. And this is the cam that if he continues to play like this, is going to hinder the Patriots. So but are I'm, you worried about that? Or do you think that this was just rust of him coming off of the COVID list? I'm in a wait-and-see mode because the defense did their job to an extent, and Stefan Gilmore came off COVID and didn't play bad, but Cam did. But I think it's—and this isn't a knack on the corner position, but I think it's a lot harder for a quarterback to come in on a two-weeks-off rust kind of thing and knock that off right away, especially against a fairly good defense. And I think that that was the real issue— um, they had their chance to win this game, so I'm in a wait-and-see mode. I am a little concerned, though. So are you leaning more towards wait-and-see or are you leaning more towards concern? Because they have San Francisco next against Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, do you think there's a lot of pressure on them to win that game to get back on track, or it's because Garoppolo was supposed to really be the guy after Brady? Um, I'd say it's more of a get-back-on-track thing. I think Bill Belichick, respects Garoppolo, and this isn't a Brady team anymore. I think there must have been something between Brady and Garoppolo, but I'm not here to speculate on that. But I think that there's a respect level. I don't think this is like a vendetta-esque game, but I do think this is a game that both teams need to win. I mean, the 49ers are floundering, and the Patriots need a statement win. And I'd say it's still wait-and-see mode, but if they lose to the 49ers, then I'm concerned, Brendan. All right, fair enough. That leaves us with the Jets and the AFC East. I want to go through them quick because we spent a lot of time on them the past couple episodes. They're the only winless team in the NFL. They lost to Arizona, then got shut out by Miami. Now, Darnold is expected to start Sunday. Do you feel like that's the right move? Because I'm, I'm kind of torn here because they're not playing for anything except for really Adam Gase's job. Do you think that Darnold should go out there and play to show that to, to, you know, to attempt to show that they shouldn't move on from him, that he's still the guy, or that you know if they do end up trading him, is he playing for more return value for the Jets? Or do you think that he needs to sit regardless? Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I think, in the same boat you are on this, where it's hard, because I don't want Adam Gase trotting him out there if he's not ready, because Gase is going to try to save his job. He's doing the same thing with Becton. I think he said exactly. Becton's on track to play Sunday, which is just a bad decision. But at the same time, Becton doesn't really have anything to prove. It's his rookie year, and to this point, he's played masterfully. Right. But you have Darnold, who, I mean, if this team doesn't win a game this year, even if they do and continue to just look awful, we talked about it last, or two weeks ago, that the conversation for Trevor is already flaming hot and it's only going to increase in speculation if they continue to lose games and Sam Darnold continue to sit out with an injury. But now he's back. Um, I, I don't know if I love the timing. I think maybe another week wouldn't have been bad. But if he's healthy enough to play, get him out there because this isn't about a Darnold representing Adam Gase anymore. This is Darnold for Darnold. For the first right. time in his career, he is playing for him. Last season, it was breakout expectations, but you know Adam Gase is the man at the wheel. The year before, it was his rookie year. This is Darnold for Darnold now. He needs to do him and not worry about any of the exterior factors. So if he's healthy enough to do it, then he should do it. 
Yeah, and it's hard because I like Darnold. I don't think, personally, I don't think the Jets should draft Trevor Lawrence. If it were me, I would keep Darnold, trade the first pick if you have it, get a lot more draft capital, build around Sam Darnold, you know, i.e. Um, Jamar Chase out of LSU at wide receiver and Travis Etienne, the running back out of Clemson, are both ridiculous. I think Travis Etienne's the next Alvin Kamara. And, you know, you put guys like that around him, you got playmakers. But the Jets have the second hardest remaining schedule. So regardless of how Sam Darnold plays, the Jets aren't going to win games. So I think it's at this point, I agree with you, they should sit him another one or two weeks if he wants to, if, you know, if he comes back to play. Sending him out there this Sunday is just uh, is a bad decision in my mind. AFC North. The Steelers are at 5-0. and they obliterated the Browns 38-7. to And this upcoming week, they are playing the Tennessee Titans, which I am very excited for. I think it's going to be the game of the year so far. I think it's going to top that New England-Seattle game, which was also fantastic. But where do you have the 5-0 and Steelers ranked right now among well, the top teams through six weeks? Well, first off, I am also very excited for that game. I think that's going to be a game that we can draw a lot from when we come back to talk about that one. But in terms of the Steelers right now, I actually, I, I'm going to say it. They are probably the best team in the AFC at this point in time, in my opinion, which is a bold statement to make because they're going up against the Titans, you can make that case for, and the Chiefs, you can make that case for. Well, I agree with you because I feel like the Steelers have looked like the more like dominant team through four quarters each game. The Titans are undefeated too, but they haven't looked as dominant each and every time they're out there. I completely agree. And I think the thing with the Steelers too is they're so well-rounded and there's still room to grow. Because on the defensive side of the ball, yes, they just lost Devin Bush, but this is a team that is ready to win this year. And if they don't make a move for a linebacker, I'd be surprised. Maybe a Denzel Perryman for the Chargers and Avery Williamson from the Jets. And also though, Dylan, on offense... Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith haven't even found their sweet spot together yet. Exactly. Not even that, but Deontay Johnson has not found a groove this year, and Chase Claypool absolutely dominated. And if he can do that again and continue to produce those level numbers, I mean, that offense is going to be just as scary as that defense, and they're going to be a buzzsaw throughout the NFL. Absolutely. Behind them are the Ravens at 5-1, and one, who I think many people could have as their top AFC team right now. They beat the Bengals and then beat the Eagles after Philadelphia's failed two-point conversion to tie the game. And, you know, there's a lot of talk right now, Dylan, outside of them playing the games, of Des Bryant being expected to sign to their practice squad. I don't know how much of this you've heard, but if he signs to their practice squad— how much of a chance do you think that there is that he makes the active roster? And if he does, what does he bring to that offense? It's hard to really gauge that, Brendan, because we haven't seen Des Bryant in a while. When he went out, he really wasn't playing bad football. But we have not seen him in a while. So it's hard to say, but Lamar needs a weapon. I mean, Lamar needs help right now because this offense is too Lamar Jackson centralized and they need to spread it out whether they get J.K. Dobbins more involved in the offense whether Des Bryant bringing him in opens up the passing game more and then allows them to get Ingram and Dobbins once Ingram's back really rolling and even Gus Edwards 
but they've got to do something on offense to inject some life. And honestly, the same could have been said about the defense, and they went out and did it with Yannick Ngakwe, who's a proven commodity. So I'm going to flip this back to you, Brendan. Of the two additions, which ultimately plays the bigger impact in their Super Bowl run? Well, Des Bryant's all speculation right now, and I don't know how much he would be involved because there's still a running offense. I mean, I don't think... He wouldn't even be, in my mind, anywhere near being the top target. I think that's Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. I think he would be third, maybe even fourth. So I don't think he would have a huge impact. So the offense does need to receive. I'm going to go with Yannick Ngakwe because, I mean, that addition was huge. Their defense has already been fantastic for the most part through six weeks. And then you add a guy like Ngakwe, who is a very proven player, I mean, this defense is scary, Dylan. And, you know, in the playoffs, in the playoffs, I feel like defense is more important than in the regular season because when you go against teams like the Chiefs and the Steelers and the Buccaneers potentially and teams like that, you they all have high-powered and capable offenses. You need to stop them. And if you get a guy like Ngakwe, that does nothing but bolster your defense. So I'm going to go with Ngakwe. Because Des Bryant isn't there yet, but we'll see. The Browns are at four and two. They beat the Colts. Then, as you know, as we said, they got embarrassed by the Steelers. They're two games above. Uh, excuse me, two games above five hundred right now. But there are people saying that Baker Mayfield is the is a problem there. How do you feel about that? Because they are two games over five hundred, Dylan. See the Browns. I feel comfortable making this statement. Um, I like Kevin Stefanski. I I was very outspoken about I did not have high hopes for that hire when he initially signed on, but he's done a great job, even with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both missing time every once in a while. But without that running game to mask Baker Mayfield's flaws, the team has looked not good whatsoever. I mean, one thing can be said about playing a defense that is one of the best in the league on paper in a long time but another can be said about the fact that the Browns cycle now is not mediocrity like it used to be. It's win a game, lose a game. But those wins are against teams they should win against, and the losses are against teams that they have a shot against, or teams that or teams they have a shot against but are higher level competition, or teams that just blow them out of the water and prove that the Browns are nothing more than uh, fool's gold, I'd say. And I think yeah, I would say the Browns are a team that's masked by having a lot of talent, just not knowing how to use it. Yes, and I really, really think that it's going to fall on Baker's shoulders. Maybe not even—I've never been a Baker outspoken, huge Baker supporter since he landed in Cleveland because I didn't love the fit. But for once, I've got to say, it's not all Baker's fault. I think it's the weaponry that's around him doesn't really complement his skill set. And I think that that's going to be the ultimate reason that he ends up being the fall guy there in Cleveland. So if if Odell, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb when he's there, and Kareem Hunt don't fit and complement him, what would? I don't know. And that's the hard question for me to answer because the reason I say he doesn't complement them is you just hit the nail on the head. Even add Austin Hooper in there when healthy, you've got a guy who was a top five tight end last year. You've got a guy who's when with the Giants, and even he's shown glimpses of it in Cleveland, a top receiver in the game. Jarvis Landry, great receiver. Chubb and Hunt, 
dynamic duo, and he can't do anything with him. And I don't know if... I guess you can put some of the fall on the offensive line, but it's very much improved this year. And Tristan Wirfs and Jack Conklin turned into great additions. I, I think it's on Baker, but I don't know how to compliment him better. That's the problem. Let's move on to the Bengals here. 1-4-1. One, and one. They lost to Baltimore. They lost to Indianapolis. They have the Browns and Titans next. What have you seen from Joe Burrow through six weeks that should keep fans and the organization excited even though they're not winning games? I would say glimpses of impressiveness. I feel that coming out to a 21-0 lead was good game planning by Zach Taylor and very, very good play by Joe Burrow. And Joe is finally, I feel like, finding a rhythm with A.J. Green, which could be really, really good. He had 96 yards a week ago. But I'm concerned about the lack of discipline with Zach Taylor, that you get the team up 21-0 in a game that if they had won, would have really changed the narrative around the Bengals organization by beating a team that's likely going to contend for a wild-card spot. But now they're in a spot where 1-4-1. They've shown glimpses of really, really good football, but they've not been able to follow it up. And one stat, Brendan, and obviously it's hard to make any real assumptions based on last year, but under Taylor, Bengals are 1-11-1 in one-score games. And aside from that, that one win and that one tie were, well, obviously a tie, but the one win were not games where he coached his best football. And that's not something that you want to see out of a head coach now in his second year. Yeah, absolutely. AFC South, Titans are 5-0. and they beat Houston in overtime, 42-36, to which is a fantastic game. Derrick Henry went off for 212 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and 52 receiving yards. I played against him in fantasy, so I should know. In your opinion, is he the best running back in football, and if not, who is? Well, Brendan, this is prime time for your he's a bad man comment like Stephen <laughs> A. Smith, because when... He is on. He is on. And I think he is, for some reason, he struggles to get firing out out of the gates. But once he gets going, there's not a running back who is better than him in this league. And Derrick Henry is a monster. And if this COVID little break he had is going to be the reason that he gets firing on all cylinders from here on out, oof, watch out for that Titans offense. What are you thinking, Brendan? I don't think I would call him the best running back in football. It's simply because if I were to start a team at the running back position, I would not take him as my running back. He is the best runner in the NFL. He's not the best all-around running back. I mean, I think for him, it's hard to evaluate because he is so dominant, but I think so much of that is reliant on his size. Because if he gets through the front seven— and you get to the secondary, there is no player, no player, even close to him in size. So it's going to be nearly impossible to take him down. I think if he gets past the defensive line, the linebackers, then it's impossible. If you can keep him somewhat under containment and don't let him break off the huge runs, it's not as bad. But no, I would not call him the, the best running back in football. I think that is still... Christian McCaffrey. 
when healthy. I think Alvin Kamara's up there too. Behind the Titans are the Colts at 4-2. and two. They lost to Cleveland. Then they beat Cincinnati, as you just mentioned. How have you felt about Phillip Rivers through six weeks? Because he hasn't been spectacular, but he's been getting the job done. Well, I got a point on McCaffrey, but we can get to that when we get to the Panthers. But as for Phillip Rivers, you know, this is kind of the ceiling I felt he would play at. I mean, there was glimpses of the Phillip Rivers we saw last year against the Bengals early, but then he got comfortable. And it's it's hard to really gauge Phillip Rivers because he is not going to win you games at this point in his career, but he's also not going to lose you them. Similar to what I talked about in Fitzpatrick, but I'd even say on a higher level, I think that this team is going to be okay, primarily because Phillip Rivers is going to allow them that flexibility throughout the season because it won't fall all on his shoulders, and when it does, that's when his veteran presence is going to show up like it did last Sunday. But Phillip Rivers still thinking this is probably his last year, and I think that uh, he is declining, but he's not declining as rapidly as it looked like last year. All right, now behind the Colts are two 1-5 teams. First with the Texans, they're 1-5, as I just said, but they're 1-1 without Bill O'Brien. So, they beat Jacksonville, they lost to Tennessee. Based on the first six weeks, what's the outlook looking, what is the outlook for this team going forward without Bill O'Brien? Well, shout out to Romeo Cornell because that team came ready to play last Sunday. This is a team that everybody has counted out, and it was expected they'd lose that game as well. But they did lose, but they were in that game till the last second. If it weren't for Derrick Henry having a one of his career games, mm-hmm. they would have won. Easy. 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 Yes. But Derrick Henry, of course, had to go for two over 260 total yards. But my, my point with the Texans, and it's a very quick one, is just that right now it's about seeing who you want for the future because the future is uncertain. And maybe that's Romeo Cornell because if he can keep them in games throughout the rest of the season, he can make a statement that he deserves to remain on as the head coach. But I do think that this is a team where Eric Bieniemy would definitely be the kind of fit. Or in Atlanta. No, Dylan, no, no. He needs to be with the Jets. Oh, uh, we'll talk about that another time. (laughs) But nonetheless, I think that this is a team where Deshaun Watson needs to coach to help him. And I don't know if Cornell can do that. Maybe he can. But right now, I am. if I'm a Texans fan, I'm a little enthused with the performance last week. Other 1-5 team in that division is the Jaguars. They haven't won a game since week one. They lost to Houston. They lost to Detroit. So, Dylan, since they're competing for that first draft spot, is it finally time for Minshew Mania to be over in Jacksonville? See, I was so excited after the first couple weeks. I thought Minshew Mania was running wild all over the AFC South, and boy, was I disappointed. Because, and it's hard to really say, because I I think Doug Marone's the problem. I really do. I think that they have young talent and young pieces across the board who could be very, very good under the right coach. I think C.J. Henderson and Josh Allen are the new Yannick Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey of that defense. And I think that Gardner Minshew is not a bad quarterback. I think that he deserves to—he would deserve to get a shot with a new head coach, but 
something that a lot of people miss with the Trevor Lawrence talk is Justin Fields hasn't gotten a chance to show it yet, and Trey Lance only had a showcase game. But both right. of them are talented quarterbacks as well, and I would say better than Gardner Minshew. So I like Minshew a lot, but if those two are on the board or Trevor Lawrence is an option, uh, if I'm Jacksonville, I can't pass on it. So do they deal Minshew somewhere else, or they keep him as a backup? I think Gardner still holds a lot of value, and I think that this right now is an audition for him for the future, reminiscent to that of um, that of Teddy Bridgewater, actually. I think that's a Could good he be comparison. a quarterback that could maybe go to Indianapolis? That's exactly what I was thinking, Brandon. There's a reason we host this together, because I <laughs> think that if Rivers is gone, like we just talked about potentially, Gardner's the right guy. What are you thinking? I agree. I mean, there's also talk about another quarterback um, that could potentially be going there, but we'll get to them. AFC West, the Chiefs are 5-1. and one. They lost 40-32 to 32 to the Raiders and then beat Buffalo in a sloppy game. What worries you about the defending champs through six weeks, either with them specifically or with another team that is a prime threat? Well, we touched on that, and that's complacency. I just really feel like this team has just not played. They're playing to a high level. I mean, you can't deny that. I mean, Le'Veon's coming in too. Yeah, and I think that that offense is just going to take a step up. But for some reason, I think this team's just complacent this year. They win the games. They really do. But it just seems like they're not winning them the way you expected. And this is actually the kind of Chiefs team that we saw early last year. But that was because of Matt Moore being the starter for a couple games. You kind of saw that in the playoffs too. They had, they didn't look great yes. for a majority of the games, and then and then it, you know Mahomes takes over. But you know, keep going. It's like they're playing rookie mode with a handicap on right now. Like they're rolling over everybody, but they're trying to do it with their eyes closed. But I think that it's almost like maybe Andy Reid thinks it's too easy, so he's trying to make it a little harder on himself to win another ring. But right now, the Chiefs it scare me because of their little bit of complacency but I don't think it's an issue to look for in the long run. All right, now, their only loss was to the Raiders, who are behind them at 3-2. and two. They, you know, they, they're pretty much, their entire offensive line is listed on the COVID list right now. If they still have their game Sunday against Tampa Bay, but a lot of their offensive line cannot play, how big of a loss is that against the Buccaneers? Well... Like, do you I just mark that up as Tampa Bay is going to win just like that? Considering the way that defense is played, I would say yes. I, I think that Derek Carr is going into this game. He said something the other day about how seeing Tom Brady's name on the headlines of maybe potentially being a quarterback of the Raiders coming the next season or the season invigorated him. But he's not going to get a fair shot to show that without just about any protection. I mean, they're going to start signing guys like you and me, Brendan, if they need help at this point because they I'm don't ready. have death. <laughs> they don't have death, and their Raiders have been rolling, but I think that it's going to stop on Sunday. But I think once they're healthy again, they're going to be a solid team along the lines of that Dolphins team as well and, and Colts as a wildcard contender. The Broncos, they beat the Patriots 18-12, to like I said, with six field goals. I mean, that was an ugly game, Dylan. I mean, the Broncos going forward, Drew Locke is back. But with so many other injuries, is this just a wash of a season for them? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, a 2-3 and three team, they've won back-to-back games now. I wouldn't necessarily say this is a wash of a season for them because, I mean, injuries have really hurt this team. But 
I don't, I don't know. Vic Fangio is a good coach, and I think that if he can get this team right, I wouldn't necessarily call it a wash of a season. They're not going to contend, but they're a team that could maybe stay in the hunt until late December and make noise in the hunt. But I don't see them being, they're going to be middle of the road. I think that's the best way to try to put it. What are you thinking, Brendan? I don't. I think it is going to end up being a wash. I think they'll be competitive. I don't think that they're gonna, you know, lose game after game after game after game. I think they're gonna win a few. But I mean, they. I had such ex, such high expectations for them this season. I think you felt okay about them too, with Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton taking a big step, Jerry Judy coming over, Noah Fant, you know, Melvin Ingram. Philip Lindsay. I mean, they have a lot of talent on that offense with them, and then with the amount of injuries going on, especially Cortland Sutton. Court, I can't speak right now, Dylan. Cortland Sutton being out the entire season, I think that puts a huge, huge lock on what they were expected to do this season. And I think, based on their expectations and my expectations for them, I think it is a wash personally. The Chargers. They lost 30-27 to against the Saints in Week 5. Herbert, though, has looked outstanding. Outstanding. Do you think at this moment he's the best rookie quarterback out of the draft? Um. Well, we're going to get our chance now to gauge Tua. We talked about a few weeks ago that when we haven't had that shot to gauge Tua yet, but, you know, that handoff and those two short throws, Brandon, they looked great. But, oh, man. Yeah, he was – Miami hit the jackpot. <laughs> In all seriousness, Herbert went to bat against Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes and did a damn good job. That's more impressive to me than anything Burrow has done to this point. And unfortunately, those two short throws and that handoff by Tua. But I I still got to give Tua the shot to prove something, as do you. But yeah, but Dylan, I mean, Herbert had four touchdown passes against the Saints. Four. Four touchdowns. And they could have won that game. Yes, and he's and that's another person he's went to bat with against Drew Brees. I would like to see what he can do against lesser competition in the coming weeks because they've lost four games in a row since that first win. But he's looked good. Um, they've stayed in games, and if they can pull off a couple wins here, I think it's easy to say that that team's very, very good one. But right now, I'm just gun-shy and calling him the best quarterback at this point because of Burrow's situation with Zach Taylor. But... I definitely think he has been the most impressive and has the strongest resume through the first six weeks. All right. On to the NFC. Let's start with the NFC East here to get the, the garbage out of the way first. The Eagles are 2-4-1. and one. They're in first place with that record. Now, they beat the Giants last night. Yes, that's the start of Week 7. But in Weeks 5 and 6, they lost to Pittsburgh and they lost to Baltimore. Now, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, could be today, could be tomorrow, could be Sunday, could be whatever. We're going to say last night because today's Friday for us. They beat the Giants with a last-minute touchdown. Great pass to Boston Scott by Carson Wentz. But, I mean, with Dak now injured, is you know, Carson Wentz and the Eagles, even with all their injuries, are they the team to beat in the NFC East? See, it's really hard for me to agree to that, but none of the other... I want to see something from the football team. Well, let me rephrase it. Not the team team to beat, but the team with the best shot to win the division. 
Yeah, the team that's going to lose the least amount of games. I feel like that's the even perfect way to put it. <laughs> the premier way to put it because the Eagles are going to get ran over once they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs. And I think had Dak stayed healthy, Cowboys would have ran away with this division. But I think that the With Eagles, that defense, though? I think that that offense would have stayed competitive enough to win them a couple games, and that's going to be all it takes, I think. All right, well, but, they're next, so finish the Eagles. I'd say right now, yes, the Eagles are the team I'd bank on to lose the least amount of games, but if Andy Dalton can get a rhythm and maybe something changes on that defense in Dallas, I'd look at them. But honestly, the only other team I can pinpoint at this point that looks remotely like a contender aside from the Eagles for this division would actually be the football team because I like that defense as it grows throughout the season if they can figure out quarterback. All right, so the Cowboys, as we said, are behind them at 2-4. and four. They beat the Giants by 3, then lost by 28 to the Cardinals. Is their season, you kind of spoke about it a little bit, but is their season now pretty much done with Andy Dalton at quarterback? I wouldn't necessarily say that because the Red Rifle, when he's on, is great. And this is Man, his... you with these nicknames, you're on a roll. <laughs> this premier... This is a premier opportunity. We just used that before, but this is a very, very, very good shot for him to prove his worth because he really didn't have that fair shot in the back half of his time in Cincinnati, and he's got all the weaponry to make it happen, and he's going to be in shootouts, so I'd say this is a good shot for Andy Dalton to impress, but I, I'd, they're going to win a couple games. They'll probably stay neck and neck with the Eagles because of how strong that offense is. But, Brandon, I'm going to switch this back to you. You don't like that defense whatsoever, neither or neither do I. But do you think that at some point they'll step it up at all? No, because their secondary is horrific. And I'm blanking on the name of their defensive coordinator. But he should not have been hired by Mike McCarthy. The last time he was a defensive coordinator, I believe it was with the Falcons, they have the second worst defense in the NFL. And are the Cowboys last now, Dylan? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, they're yes. bottom three. They're yes, bottom they three, definitely. So, I mean, that's not any progress. And you lost a guy like Byron Jones, your top cornerback. I mean, Leighton Van Der Esch will be back. But there is a lack of playmakers in that secondary. A lack of really... I mean, they have some good players on the defensive line, but there's just a lack of consistent pass rush. I mean, there's nothing, in my opinion, to look at this defense and say, you know, they're okay, they'll help the rest of the defense turn around, and eventually they're going to start playing as a whole unit. I don't see that whatsoever. I think that their defense is horrible, and I'm pretty sure, I, I forget the stat, but I saw that they are on track to allow the most points in NFL history in a season by like 16 or 20 points. Like that, that's a lot. That's a whole nother game. But regardless, on to the football team. They're one in five. They lost to the Rams and then lost to the Giants by one point. Now, head coach Ron Rivera, who I think everybody respects, announced that he will be having his last cancer treatment on Monday, which is fantastic news. So other than that, regarding the team as a whole, what are you optimistic about with this team through six weeks? I'm optimistic if about— If anything. 
Riverboat Ron. I I've got to keep the nickname trend going. I'm gonna lose. Yeah, it at keep some it point. going. But I'm optimistic about him, and great great news about him with cancer treatment. I'm optimistic he's gonna be able to instill that culture a little bit more as the season progresses. But I'm nervous about the quarterback because right now I like their defense a lot. I think that that defense very underrated defense. Yes, that defense could be the reason that they make some noise in this awful awful division. So but, is making some noise in this division though going three and thirteen? Honestly, yeah, that's okay. the sad part. All right, just just I, making sure. If I had to revise my estimate for the t- two teams we've talked about recently, the football team right now and the Cowboys, the Cowboys at five and eleven and the football team at four and twelve could be in a spot until the last week to win if say the Eagles finish at six and ten, which I think is completely reasonable to assume. But I say the football team has some hope especially in the long term but they got to get quarterback figured out brendan they do all right the giants are one and six after losing to the philadelphia eagles last night because today is friday as i said they lost to dallas the week before that and then excuse me two weeks before that then they lost to wash they beat washington wow i'm struggling today dylan and then last night they lost to philly who or what is the most to blame for their 1-6 record? Is it Saquon being out? Is it Joe Judge, a former special teams coordinator, being head coach? What are you pinpointing here? Well, first, got to get the nickname out of the way. Danny Dimes looked like loose change on that run last night, and that was hilarious. Um, oh, well, that was that, you know, with Alex, our boss, yeah. tweeting, you know, oh, it's tough being a Giants fan, but at least we have a win. Must be hard being a Jets fan. Sam Darnold wouldn't trip like that. No. He had a no. nice touchdown run earlier in the season. I don't think he would trip like that with nobody around. He probably tripped on a uh, you know, a pretty hard blade of grass down there, but you know, continue. <laughs> Nonetheless, um Saquon getting hurt definitely hurt this team. But I think actually it I hate saying it, but I'm actually gonna put the blame on Joe Judge. I was really, really high on that hire initially. Um I'll talk about Danny Dimes in a second, but I think Joe is trying too hard, too quick. I think he's trying to just come in and build a culture reminiscent of Saban, who he worked under, and Belichick, who he worked under, and it takes time, like what Brian Flores has done. Brian Flores is the perfect example of what Joe Judge should be trying to follow, and it's going to take the right personnel coming in, but at this point, he's trying too hard, too quick, and I also think it's on Danny Dimes because he's not... He's got to, got to figure out that turnover problem. Sam Darnold may have a turnover issue, and this isn't even a knack at Alex's comment here, but I really no, am saying no, this go after it. As, go a after serious, it. <laughs> as a serious statement, is that Daniel Jones has got to get it together because um, Joe Caparoso hit this on the head. It's like Mark Sanchez without Rex Ryan and without a good defense That's, and a good O-line. That's the best so way to So it's basically it. without anything. Yeah, it's just Mark Sanchez. He's That's the comparison at this point because he can't hold on to the football and he can't make the right decisions. Um, the Evan Ingram drop, atrocious. I mean, that man needs to leave right now. But <laughs> Daniel Jones didn't look good, um, has not looked great. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I mean, man, Dylan, that Evan Ingram comment just had me crying. <laughs> He's got to leave right now. That was fantastic. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, the turnover problem is the main issue. I mean, he shows flashes. He's their best rusher right now because Devontae Freeman hurt his ankle last night. Wayne Gallman's nothing special. 
So, you know, I think he has so much to do with moving that offense by himself. And, you know, with Golden Tate now on the trading block, apparently, uh, that could be another guy who's gone and another, you know, one fewer option for him to throw to. But the turnover problem is the main problem here. Um, I don't think it's the head coach per se. I think it's just, you know, I, I think it's just a collective hole. I think it's a collective hole of not making plays and being productive for four quarters. All right, the NFC North. The Bears are 5-1. and one. I have a hunch on a nickname <laughs> that you have for the Bears here. But they beat Tampa Bay when Brady forgot what down it was. Hilarious. Then they beat Carolina. Just how serious are the Bears as contenders through six weeks? And what's your nickname for the Bears here? And, you know, remember, keep it PG-13 here, Dylan. I'm, I'm blanking, Brendan. Uh, oh, yeah, I got it. But I'm not going to say it. Uh, Does it involve Nick Foles? Yes. Everybody Fantastic. just jump, All right, just jump to the Are assumption. Are they contenders? Yeah. Um, five and one's impressive. And we've said this and kind of to laughs internally at this point about how. Like, five and one, how? Because right, like, is, well, we mentioned them as being maybe the worst five and one team. Yes, they are among us is a big trend right now. They are an imposter because how are they at five and one? But nonetheless, that defense is very good, and I got to give credit where credit's due. They're doing a great job. Um, somehow the offense has gotten it out. If they can keep it up, and Nick Foles can continue playing solid football and proving that he's worthy of that nickname, then this is a Bears team that I'm definitely going to bank on to get a wild card spot i wouldn't say they're gonna win the division because i think that packers team had one bad game coming off a bye we'll talk about them in a second but i definitely am been surprisingly and shockingly impressed by this team what are you thinking yeah i agree with the defensive point because like i said earlier when it gets to the playoffs you need a good defense to slow down because pretty much every offense in the playoffs is capable of scoring 30 points a game at some point so you need a defense to slow them down. And, I mean, what better defense right now than the Bears? Especially if they get a home playoff game. Going to Chicago with or without the fans in cold weather against that defense is going to be tough. And if Nick Foles does just enough, just enough, doesn't have to, you know, do Philly specials, you know, all the time. If he does just enough, they're a dangerous team. Behind them are the Packers at 4-1. and one. As you said, they had one bad game. Week 5, they lost badly to Tampa Bay. I believe they were up 10 nothing at some point and then lost 38-10. to I mean, that is just mind-blowing. They had a Week 6 bye. So, should people be worried now because of the lack of outside weapons? I might have gotten the bye week wrong there. Come out here if I'm wrong. But should people be worried now because of the lack of outside weapons other than Devontae Adams? And now also... Uh, breaking news, Aaron Jones is questionable for Sunday, so we'll keep an eye on that. Well, that's definitely a scary thing. I think Jamal Williams and uh, A.J. Dillon would be okay, but I think that that's definitely something to watch, as you just said with Jones. But the outside weapons is definitely an issue, Brendan, because they've still not acclim- or They're just not putting anything towards finding another weapon for him. Because Devontae I mean, it's Adams downright is- disrespectful in yes. my mind. Devontae Adams, great. Alan Lazard should not be his number two wide receiver. And that's no disrespect to him because he'd probably be a great third or fourth option. Now, what about the fantastic name in Marquez Valdez-Scantling? 
I, I'm just not high on him. He just reminds me of a guy who's on the roster in Devin Funches. But um, I definitely have some high hopes for the potential of maybe them trading for a guy who we write about, Jamison Crowder. Maybe that's mm-hmm. something that they look to, to, and that would bolster their receiver corps. Immediately. But right, but right now, I think Rodgers was feeling himself, and my nickname here is the Hingle McCringleberry thing, because three pumps is too much, Brendan. It was too much. It cost him the win, I'd say. But in all seriousness, this is a team that needs to give Rodgers some more weapons because right now he he can't do it all on his own, and it's definitely become an issue that has become more and more apparent as the season has worn on. Again, it's hard because I feel like Aaron Rodgers has been in his prime for the last 50 years. So, you know, you have a quarterback playing at that level and who's that elite, and you don't even – it seems like you don't even try to give him weapons on the outside. It seems like they don't want to win the Super Bowl with him, honestly. <laughs> Behind them are the Lions at 2-3. and three. They beat Jacksonville last week. Where do you think this team is right now in terms of the futures of Matthew Stafford and Matt Patricia? I said it this last week, and I'm going to stick with it. I don't see any way that either is in Detroit Lions organization come next season. Um, Matt Patricia is just a pure image of incompetence and pathetic coaching. Um, Not as bad as the guy you and I cover, but he's pretty damn bad. Um, But as for Stafford, I mean, dude, he had a throw the other day. I don't know if you saw it. That sidearm throw. Announcers. Oh, yeah. If Mahomes did that, it would be all over the news. But... I, he's so criminally underrated, and he deserves a shot elsewhere. And I think that a new head coach would grant him that opportunity more as a way to build resources for a long-term rebuild. Because I mentioned this last time when Patricia said the comment about Jim Caldwell, you know, really not leaving him anything. But that was a nine and seven team that was contending, and he has made them so much worse that this is a moderately close to a full-blown rebuild. And he's not the man to do it. And I don't think, for either side's sake, Stafford should be the guy to do it for them anymore. So where could you see him going? Um, Just three spots. uh, Not to degrade Nick Foles, who I love the guy. Um, Chicago. uh, Jacksonville, potentially, maybe, if they feel necessary. And then Indianapolis. So uh, every free agent quarterback should look into Indy. Yes, and a dark horse spot, maybe even New Orleans. Okay, all right. What do you Even thinking? with Jameis Winston there? Uh, yes, to an extent. What are you thinking? I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because I, Jameis Winston is a very talented quarterback. It's just that he couldn't see before. That's why he got LASIK. <laughs> and so if he can cut the turnovers that in half, even the 15 interceptions a game, uh, season, which is still you know a little high, if you cut that down in half, he's a very good quarterback. So we'll see. Behind the lines of the Vikings at 1-5. and five. Now, this is very surprising to me because I actually had them as a top 15 team in the league this season before the season started because, you know, I feel like you expect to see the Vikings in the playoffs now, right? But they're 1-5. and five. They lost to Seattle by 1. By 1. But then Dylan, man, they lost by 17 to the Falcons. <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons, who you know I love ripping on, but... What's the problem in Minnesota? Uh, Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. I think that the trade of Ngakwe was definitely something that, I mean, he was only there for a few weeks. Um, And when he got there, 
Brendan, I was very high, as you know, on that team as soon as he got there because I thought that could be the missing piece and really, really make that team so, so dangerous. But I think that Cousins has proved this season that he is a game manager. Um, and it's hard because, too, with, with Cousins, you want to blame it on – you want to say, oh, Stephon Diggs isn't there. Yes. Justin Jefferson has been fantastic. Oh, my God, yeah. He has been the lone bright spot of that team at this point. And I, I'd i say maybe you give him an opportunity without Mike Zimmer, but Mike Zimmer's not a bad head coach. He's just done Yeah, maybe give Zimmer the, ch- the chance without Kirk Cousins. I Exactly, I think. I And I think that that's what they're going to try to do. Um, if Zimmer's kept, I don't know how Minnesota fans aren't going to revolt just because I think they'll blame him. But I don't see Kirk Cousins being there next year. And I don't see Mike Zimmer being there next year. You know year, who I, I would love to see on the Vikings next season? Who? Matt Ryan. Would not be a bad fit whatsoever. I would love that. That'd be a scary offense. Speaking of the Falcons, we're up to the NFC South now. The Buccaneers are in first right now at 4-2. and two. They lost to Chicago. As we said, hilarious Tom Brady malfunction. <laughs> and then they had a big win against the Green Bay Packers. What have you seen through six weeks that should make the rest of the NFC nervous. Brady's look good, and that's scary for September. And that's a cool thing to talk about, and that's what most of the media will talk about. So I'm not going to give it a lot of time. I do like that he's aired out to a lot of different weapons, but this is about Todd Bowles, a guy you and I know very well for being on the sideline before Adam Gase in New York. He's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job with that defense. He brought a team that was one of the worst defenses in football when he left New York and joined Tampa as Arians defensive coordinator. He brought them from the bottom half of the league to six last year. To they have first very talented players year. on that side of the ball. They do, but Todd Bowles' schemes have been phenomenal this year. Well, that's when he came to the Jets, too. He was known as a defensive guy. And he still is, but I do think that Bowles is a guy that maybe a team that's looking for you know a veteran good leader— Maybe looks at him as a head coach. and Let's see I, if it, he goes back to the Jets. Oh, hell no. I, I feel bad for him. I, I That man cannot subject himself back to New York. He Anywhere but New York, I think if he had a good opportunity with the right personnel in the front office, I think he'd have a fair opportunity. So maybe Joe Douglas and Todd Bowles, not a bad idea. But I do think that uh, he deserves a shot somewhere else because I think he's the mastermind behind this defense, and they're only going to get better, I think. Now, I have a picture in my mind of next season with Todd Bowles as the head coach in Jacksonville with Justin Fields. Not bad at all. That's in my mind of what I think would be ideal for the Jaguars because I don't think they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Brendan, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal idea. I'm glad you like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Saints are 3-2. and They beat the Chargers in overtime in in a game that they could have easily lost there at the end. Are you worried about the Saints? Yes. Uh, I'm firmly going to say yes on this. Emmanuel Sanders is out this week on the COVID list. Uh, Michael Thomas is a mess right now, whether it have been Yeah, injuries, he's really struggling suspension. on all um, I'm not high on him. I'm not high on this team right now. The defense has not been awful, but I would necessarily say that this is on... It's It's very hard to pinpoint what's wrong with this team because... I would say it's on the offensive side of the ball right now. I mean, Kamara's been great, 
but he can only do so much. And I think Drew Brees has taken a step back without Michael Thomas this year. And that's definitely concerning to see if you're a Saints fan. What are you thinking, Brendan? Yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas is concerning because, you know, he's dealing with injuries and he punches a guy in the face at practice. I mean, you would think Sean Payton would have control over that team. But, you know, things happen. But without him on the field, this offense is – they haven't been terrible, but they're clearly different with Emmanuel Sanders as the number one. And he's at a point in his career where he's not a number one receiver. He's a number two. And he fits perfectly behind Michael Thomas. And like you said, Kamara's been great. If you look at the stats, the stats would say this could be a 4-1 and one team. But they're 3-2. and two. It's only a one-game difference, but that's a big difference. So I am worried about the Saints, especially with the Buccaneers trending towards, you know, a very good direction. Panthers behind them at 3-3. Three and three, Beat Atlanta. Lost to Chicago. Where are you with this team right now? I'm very, very high on this Carolina team. I mean, the way that they've been able to handle things without McCaffrey, and I think I mentioned this uh, in our last episode, is a statement to Joe Brady and how well he's done on that offense. And then I also have to say, the team has just looked great under Matt Rule. I mean, they, they're they a couple close losses away from really being high on this team in my eyes. Um, I said that they'd probably be a middle-of-the-road team this year in Rule's first year. They're 3-3 three and right, three right now, so they're proving that right. But, I mean, man, I've been very, very impressed with this Carolina team. And this is the... This was the ceiling I said in our preseason predictions that I thought that they could be at, where they would be an impressive team that the record's not going to show it, but coming into next season, I think that there's going to be a lot of building blocks, especially as Rule instills that culture or his culture in uh, Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, at 3-3, three and three, at 500, not terrible, not great. I think they're exactly where you thought they would be right now. Falcons at 1-5, and five. oh boy. Jets are 0-6, but I think the Falcons are a funnier team. <laughs> they lost to Carolina, and they beat Minnesota 40-23. to Was Dan Quinn the only problem there? Uh, no. Uh, I do think there's more deeper-rooted issues, maybe with Arthur Blank, the owner, being a little too hands-on. But Raheem Morris, not a bad interim head coach. I think there's a lot of uh, fire within him to maybe try to continue to fight for that job. But I don't know. Uh, This was a very, very good win, but it was against the Vikings, a team I am not high on whatsoever. But I I give them a little credit for the win. Oh, Lord, I don't know what you're going to say about them, though, Brendan, so tear them apart. Well, I don't really have much to say, you know, to add on to what I've been saying in the past couple weeks. I think they're hilarious. Um, but I mean, their offense is never really in question. I feel like they, you know, they always have a pretty decent offense. Um, Julio Jones, who was pretty much fully healthy last game, uh, went off. He went off finally getting into the end zone, um, which was good to see, you know, that connection between Matt Ryan and Julio Jones again. Um, I don't have much to say, you know, I'm sorry to disappoint Dylan, but I don't have much more to add on to the Falcons here. We'll have to wait for another loss. NFC West, final division here. The Seahawks are at 5-0. and They beat Minnesota by one point. Are they the best team in the NFC? 
Uh, I'll even take it a step further. I think it's the best team in football. Um, the only so, other team I'd say that's in their realm right now is the Steelers, the Packers, the Chiefs. Those are the only other teams. All but right, that answers my next question. I'm not as impressed with any of them as I am with the Seahawks. I mean, this is a team that, if it's been a close game, they've etched out a win. If it's been a game they need to win, they're dominating. This now, is a their team... defense hasn't been great, though. But... Is I that worrisome it... to you? I think as the season wears on, it'll be a little better. Um, it is a little worrisome. I'm not going to lie, Brendan. I think that uh, they could make me eat my words. But um, Jordan Brooks, the rookie linebacker, I think that he's still taking some time to really get into that offense or defense. Sorry, um, but I think it's going to take some time for the defense to gel a little more. There's a lot of moving pieces there. Uh, but as the season wears on, I'm encouraged to see how they continue to perform. If they continue to play bad, I'll be concerned. But if they can step it up a little bit, I'll be definitely banking on this team as a Super Bowl favorite. But other than that, I mean, that offense is – we've hit on it so many times in this show, it's probably redundant. But they're damn good right now, Brendan. Now, how do you feel about the reports that they could potentially be interested in Antonio Brown? It's just going to make them stronger because I think that that's a kind of coach and organization that's not going to take any of his crap. I think that's a team that is going to lo- take the good and leave the bad for Antonio Brown. That is the kind of team that needs – to have or doesn't need to have him he needs to be in and they can have him and he would just make them that much better well i mean if you add him to russell wilson and tyler lockett in the receiving game i mean my god my god scared that that's a great great team if they already and if they add him i mean that offense is one of the best in the league and that potential matchup of this that seahawks offense even without antonio brown against that steelers defense is going to be one that I would pay pay-per-view money to see. Now, the Cardinals are behind them at 4-2. and two. They beat the Jets. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. Now, you and I were both very high on them in the preseason. I think I, you know, we were both raving about them a lot. Oh, yeah. Where they're at now, are you higher on them, lower, or are you at the same level of excitement? Slightly lower. Um, this offense hasn't been as explosive and flashy as I hoped. Kyler has been a slight bit of a letdown compared to, I think, as high as you and I projected him to. I mean, I called the guy a potential MVP candidate. Yeah, MVP Kyler. Yeah, and he's he's not been as impressive as I hoped, but I, I like the way Cliff Kingsbury said it, and I really think that that was a good game for them to have played when they did against the Jets because they needed energy, and they needed momentum, and they needed an identity. And when they steamrolled the Jets, it felt like they kind of got that identity of having fun on defense. I mean, Buda Baker was all over the field last week. He has been great. He has been phenomenal. And I think that actually I've been more impressed with how well their defense has had energy and played such – they're playing like a team that should be a defensive team and they're off. Now, there is a question about the defense though, Dylan. We haven't seen that much of Isaiah Simmons. What do you think is going on there? I don't know, and I that's a great, great question, Brendan, because I was expecting that we'd come out of that Jets game, and that was going to be the game where you talked about, wow, he's been phenomenal. I mean, that was a breakout game for him, but we haven't seen him yet, and this is a guy who we talked about, just about every analyst said was going to be one of the top defensive players in the league within a five-year span. I mean, scouts I mean, he does everything. Exactly, and 
the Swiss Army Knife has not opened this year, and it's been very dull, and I'm not been, I haven't seen anything yet, and I don't know if that's poor usage, or maybe he's dealing with something we don't know about, but I would definitely is going to be something that we have to keep our eye on as the season wears on. What are you thinking about that defense and that offense, Brendan? I agree about the offense. The offense has been inconsistent. You know, at times they're on and you can't stop them. At times they're stagnant. And Kyler Murray hasn't, you know, he's definitely shown improvement. I don't think there's any question about that. But, you know, he still has a couple of, you know, you know, little things he has to work out here and there. But, I mean, pretty much every player does. But I think, you know, with his running ability – and when he gets, when they get more comfortable as a unit, because teams, they could be together forever. As the season goes on, they do end up getting more comfortable regardless where they are together. And, you know, when they get more comfortable, I mean, they're 4-2 now. When they get even more comfortable with Kyler running the offense, Kenyon Drake, who still hasn't really hit a big stride yet, by the way. And then DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, who hasn't had a monster game he's had all all good games but he hasn't had that one huge game I mean maybe against the Jets and then you have Christian Kirk who just torched the Cowboys I mean going forward man they their offense towards the end of this year into next year is going to be terrifying the Rams are at four this is a great division man the Rams are at four and two behind them they beat Washington they lost to the 49ers are they once again a competitive NFC team come playoff time? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that at this point. I think that they're – it's hard. That defense is very good. I actually am very impressed with the defense. Their offense is actually – I love Mason Jalen Ramsey. Oh, yeah. And Aaron Donald, aside from that Sunday night game against the 49ers where they kept him quiet, which is a shock, has been Aaron Donald this year. But the real – I think breakout of this is we knew Jared Goff and Cooper Cup had a great relationship, but that has only blossomed this year. I mean, yeah, there's still hiccups every once in a while. There was that missed um, the drop uh, on Sunday Night Football that was costly, but they've still continued to show growth and made up for the Brandon Cooks trade. And I think that another guy I like on that offense that we talked about in the preseason, and actually I think he was one of my players, if not the player to watch, was Van Jefferson. Um, A guy we both wanted in New York, ended up in St. Louis, or, oh, sorry, Los Angeles. Oh, that's a throwback there. Oh, yeah. But I've been impressed with the team. Um, The offense hasn't been bad, but would I say that they are up there as a contender again? Not necessarily. No, not a contender, but a team that will be competitive in the playoffs. Yes, I think that they'll, they're will they that kind of team that could make the divisional round and nobody would be surprised. Now, one more thing about the Rams and Aaron Donald. Um, the Rams will be the opponent for the Dolphins when Tua makes his NFL debut. Oh, boy. The same thing when Alex Smith came back. His first opponent was the 49ers. I'm afraid that after the Rams play the Dolphins, Aaron Donald will be wanted for murder. Because I think that is the last person you want Tua Tagovailoa to go up against in his NFL debut is Aaron Donald. Every time that Tua will get hit by Aaron Donald, I will be covering my eyes. 
And I'm ge- I'm genuinely concerned that Aaron Donald is going to be wanted for murder. He might have to go into hiding, Dylan. Oh, boy. You're not wrong. All right, Dylan. Last team here. We're going to need a nickname from you to close it off. Oh, that's easy. San Francisco 49ers. 3-3. Three and three, Crushed by Miami. Beat the Rams. With the current situation going on with them, will their injuries be the death of them this season? I'll get the nickname out of the way, Brandon. Gucci Garop. I mean, he looked healthy, looked on fire on Sunday Night Football, and then they stepped off the gas and whatever and almost allowed the Rams to come back in that game. But they – I'm high on the team actually right now. I think that that offense for a change – I mean, this was a team that last year was a solid offense, but they were more of a running offense, and Garoppolo didn't get much talk, but that defense was the story. Whereas this year, with all the depletion and injuries on that defensive side of the ball, the offense, even when Nick Mullins had that one game, has looked good. And the weaponry has looked good. I mean, Ayuk has stepped up and been a Debu Samuel-esque tool in that offense. I think Debu Samuel is still getting a little bit of that rust off from that injury. And Chris or Greg Kittle, George Kittle, oh my god, I think it's the... Uh, the marathon-esque episode thing, Brendan. Over time, my brain's just starting to It gets to, to it. you. It does. It really does. But nonetheless, Kittles looked very, very good. Um, very, very good is probably an understatement. But the rushing attack's got to get better. Um, it's been so inconsistent. And now and with is, Mostert out again. And this is coming from a guy who owns McKinnon and Mostert in a couple of his fantasy leagues. So trust me, I know. The rushing attack's got to step it up in some sense. And But... To circle back to your original question here, the defense is definitely worrisome because without those pieces, um, the big move they made was Jordan Willis, a guy who I think I can openly say for both of us, I forgot he was on the New York Jets. I did too. I thought, you know, when I saw that trade, I was like, who? Do you mean Jordan Jenkins? Exactly. I was scared. But, you know, if he's a guy who barely got playing time with the Jets, you know, with the injuries in San Francisco, he'll have to play. But, you know, I'm I'm not expecting much out of him in San Fran. Yeah, and that defense needs something. They need an infusion right now because other than that, this is still a team that at 3-3, three and three, you know, we've talked about some of these teams It seems like they're out already. 3-3, three and three, even with their injuries and how good this division is, they're still in this because Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. Garoppolo is a very good quarterback, and they've still got some pieces on that defense who can make some impacts, but they need something. They need something to spice up that team because right now they lack an identity and they're just a mess because of injuries. Absolutely. All right, Dylan. So I think, you know, in the future, we might have to cancel one of these episodes and have an episode strictly devoted to one nickname for each team, starring Dylan Price, because I think that would be amazing. (laughs) But anyway, uh, that was the recap of weeks five and six. We will see you in another two weeks to do weeks seven and eight. Dylan, it was a good one today. Once again, if you can... Give us a follow on Twitter. That would be fantastic. Dylan Price 27, Brendan Carp ESM. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.